Welcome to Probably Science, guys. It's a it's a podcast you're listening to. It's Probably Science. That's what we're doing. Um, I'm Jesse Case. I'm joined, of course, as always, by Andy Wood. Hello, hello. And uh, Matt Kirshen. You nailed it. Yeah, and Matt's cats who are connected to, uh, they've got bell bell collars going on. They but might I, make some noise. Yeah, so there's, there's some jingling. There's some thumping happening. They're, they're still working each other out. The, the kitten's a new thing, so... Yeah, sure, sure. And, What's the uh, kitten's name? Uh, we went through a few iterations. Uh, it, he mm. was he was Archie for a hot minute, but now he's landed on the far more appropriate Kevin. Oh yeah, like a good person name. Yeah, and he just felt more he felt more of a Kevin, and Kevin sure. uh, Kevin goes better with Doug. Yeah, is that the name of the Family Guy dog, or is it it's some person name? Is it Kevin? Oh, Brian. That's Brian, the Family yeah, Guy yeah. dog. Hey, whose voice is that? Hey. that we got a we got a guest guest today, you guys. We got a guest. <laughs> we do. Re- uh, returning guest, friend of the show, Lisa Curry. Hey, Lisa. Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm I'm great. <laughs> I'm doing really well. <laughs> She's been traveling the world. I, I actually like. Here's the thing. I feel like I'm doing so well, but I'm. I don't know if it's just if I'm just doing like good, like regular good, but it's in contrast to the last year. So it feels like every day feels like a fucking party. <laughs> right. Well, and also Lisa has always been just a huge fan of nine 11, like yeah, well, just <laughs> thriving. You guys, I had, day. I recently had a friend come over and like help me organize stuff and like get rid of, I had all this like just shit I was saving up for no reason. And I had a disturbing amount of nine 11 memorabilia. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm just like, what, I don't know. What counts as memorabilia? Yeah, yeah. What do you What do you mean? Just like magazines and newspaper clippings oh. and things like that. And oh. I, I think when I was in high school, because my my grandma was a hoarder, and she was always hoarding things because she's like, "This will be valuable someday." So I like inherited that brain disease when I was younger, and I would like I saved all these magazines because I thought like oh these are going to be worth something and they're not and I need to just like I'm just I've just been throwing them away and I'm like this is ridiculous that I've saved like you can get a fucking copy of the newspaper it's not suddenly worth a hundred dollars you know <laughs> well it's still interesting to have I mean I don't know maybe some of the interest maybe some of the early articles are interesting you know for their partial information or oh, sure. suppositions or. Uh... I mean, but I feel like I'm better off if I if I want to reminisce, I can go to the library reminisce. and they can pull that up versus like me yeah. storing it in my home. Yeah, <laughs> but, but at least you picked an event where the memorabilia could potentially be valuable. Like it would, it would be weird <laughs> if it was like baby Jessica, if you just had like all the stuff. You, like ev- balloon every boy. Yeah, balloon boy. You, you're like, I, this look, oh, this is boy. money in the bank. I'm going to yeah. collect all of this. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's a great reminder to go check and see if Balloon Boy's metal band still exists. What now? Ba- what? Wait, what? Ba- Balloon Boy and his siblings. So his dad is just a shyster. Like he's like a wannabe Ron Popeil. Or he almost reminds me of the dad from, I think it's Danny Champion of the World, Roll Doll. The dad is just always, he's always got some angles. Uh, so he staged the whole balloon thing. And then after that, wow. when the when the fame and this is after he'd already tried to like produce as seen on TV, 
Ron Popiel-esque products like this uh, back scratcher. It's just a piece of wood you mount against the wall and you scratch your back against it like you're a bear. <laughs> you should look up that video. He, the guy's a nut. So then after Balloon Boy's fame faded, he made his three kids form a metal band and claimed that they were the youngest metal band, which I'm sure they weren't. They were like probably 12 or something. There's got to be someone somewhere who's done it younger. Uh, but yeah, the dad is just always up to something. So... Well, so we should explain really quick. I mean, uh, the Balloon Boy saga to anyone that doesn't. Yeah, because that's that's a fair point, because this was about. It was a while ago. Six years ago or something, wasn't it? Seven? It was Um, a while ago. Yeah, I think 10 years now or something. Yeah. Um, What happened was it was a big news story. There was a balloon uh, and there was apparently a kid in it. And they're like, right? It was like a giant balloon. Yeah. And I, I remember watching this at work and my coworkers were horrified. And I was like, I mean, <laughs> look, I'm no scientist, but I took one look at that and I was like, there's not a child in there. That, get out of town. It, like a fucking regular ass, like just a big balloon isn't carrying what, a 60 pound kid? Yeah, it didn't make sense. Yeah. Come on. But yeah. And then the kid was, you know, in his bedroom, whatever. And I remember everything was cool. Everybody's like, oh, isn't that weird? But the kid let it slip during an interview. Like they were, you know, they were on some big evening news program and they were all being interviewed. And the kid let it slip that his dad told him to go to his room during it and like hide. (laughs) And so the kid like outed his dad as a as it was this big scam. To make a big news story. I, it was it was the weirdest. I just linked to uh, the Heaney Boys metal video if anyone wants to check it out. We'll put that in the show notes as well if you want to see what Balloon Boy's been up to. The, metal, the Heaney metal Boys, wise. did you say? Richard Heaney's the dad. Oh, okay. Falcon okay, so he- is Heaney actual, isn't like some adjective that I wasn't aware of. <laughs> like Hinky or something? Yeah. No, no. These guys are so Heaney. Yeah. <laughs> they're, hyphy, they're hyphy and Heaney. <laughs> wow. So anyway, Lisa has all the Balloon Boy stuff. She's not throwing that out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, any just like any event that was just in the in the zeitgeist for a minute, you know, I'm collecting memorabilia. <laughs> I, I I need to tweet. I just saw it um, come up on someone's feed. It was like someone tweeted this about a week and a half ago, but someone I know retweeted it. They found in their parents' house uh, a VHS tape of the chart of Princess Diana's funeral, and like on VHS tape saved for two decades. And I was going to retweet it with a, I don't know, is it is this one-upmanship? I think it's one-upmanship with a photo that I took at my parents' house a few years back. And I definitely mentioned this on the show before, because when it happened, uh, I found three VHS tapes in my parents' bookcase that still contains VHS tapes. I don't know if your parents even have a VHS. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my parents, I have VHS tapes. Are you kidding me? Okay. Yeah. But do any of your parents have, have William and Kate's wedding on three separate VHS tapes from three separate channels. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. It's gonna cut together like their own next to super- each other. Yeah, William and Kate wedding BBC, William Kate wedding ITV, William Kate wedding Sky. Which, by the way, same footage. Ah, uh, that is, <laughs> is it is the same brilliant. footage. All that's different is the commentary. Wait, and how the they even get yeah. VHS tapes during that? I mean, that was well. That's that the was- most so so. Yet from that, you can deduce that my mum was running three separate video recorders simultaneously. Yeah. What? Yeah. 
Yes. That is amazing. Wait, did you guys have three TVs or how is this going on? Yeah, she I think there was to, like, yeah. they were attached to, yeah, there's like one in one in the living room. I think there's one in the in their bedroom and one that was in the kitchen, like all wired up. <laughs> all wired up to VHS recorders. I, I just imagine her like wearing a, like a headphone, like a direct, <laughs> she's looking like a director. She's like queuing people in different rooms. Yeah, like, and, what, and, and on three, three one, two, two, switch, and we're yeah. going to go to two and we're going <laughs> to... <laughs> yeah, that's next up, that's, up. I, I can tell you my grandma would have been very jealous of that because she was obsessed <laughs> with the royal family oh yeah you probably only got it through on one measly channel but <laughs> yeah actually that's not true i bet it was i bet it was shown live on like a bunch of the news channels probably yeah because you could do that with big news events in the u.s you know where like the inauguration yeah. is always on every you could we watched the inauguration on probably seven different news channels simultaneously if you had enough if you had enough video yeah. recorders, you could have really, you could have well, really filled also, that bookshelf. Like, when are you? I mean, obviously, only one of those is going to be your favorite coverage, I guess. So <laughs> yeah. Like, when are you watching the other ones? I don't I know, was, but that's definitely I, like comes from my mum's instinct of just we cannot lose any. Like, this has to be preserved. Can I yeah, tell you guys? I, was I always do Animal Planet. I always watch the Animal Planet footage of the inaugurations. And, it's like the uh, way they have the puppy bowl. Like yeah, yeah. The Diana funeral on Animal Planet was insane. It was oh absolutely insane. I uh, when I, I was in London uh, during Kate and William's wedding, and so I got my grandma these like tea biscuits from, well, oh Harrods from Harrods, Great. which you would know, Matt. Like I got her like this commemorative plate. Oh, fine and these tea biscuits and, but she, the biscuits were like beautiful but I was like please eat them and she was like I can't they're too pretty and so she just put them on a shelf right and then she passed away at the end of 2019 and oh. last when I was home in the summer I stopped by my grandma's house and my aunt gave them back to me and she's like well you know you gave these to your grandma so you can have them and I'm like what throw them directly away what is going on why did you guys have like biscuits on the fucking shelf for years yeah my granddaughter bought me this milk in 2008 <laughs> <laughs> it meant a lot to me it was the baby jessica milk she was missing this is commemorative milk and then i thought well maybe i'll try one because like they're biscuits how bad could they have gone bad that's the answer Very bad. Yep. <laughs> thanks for calling I mean, the biscuits as well rather than cookies i appreciated the translation there yeah lisa it. it's it's great that you said that like that's normal and everyone's gonna go along with it you're like, and then, of course, I tried one. <laughs> like, obviously, like you would, you know, when you get biscuits back 10 years later, you're going to you're gonna try one. Everybody gets that. Well, the thing is, they were like, because they're so Harrods is this big department store that they're the, apparently the only you could correct me if I'm wrong, Matt. But for my understanding is they're they're the only place uh, that is allowed to do like official commemorative stuff for like the royals. And so Ooh, these I don't know about like, that. But they, they oh, I mean, like they, they are like the sort of rich. Right. Um, but but also weirdly now they have a weirder connection to the royal family because Harris was bought by Muhammad Al Fayed, whose son Ooh, Dodi was yeah. Princess Diana's boyfriend partner at the and did the car with him at the time of the death. Yes. Actually, nice. that makes me wonder if I'm sure that there's a big enough like merch industry outside of a uh, Kate and um, which one was it? I forgot. William? No. Who did Kate marry? She married William, yeah. William. William outside yeah. of the William and Kate uh, wedding or uh, outside of the Princess Di funeral, there must have been like 
bootleggers like outside, like outside oh, yeah. the forum. I've with- got tons of bootleg royal family stuff. I've got it's uh, congrats, Kate and Billy, <laughs> and it's it's horrible. But you yeah, know? no, there there isn't. I don't. Yeah, there there isn't relic official. I I don't know if you can. I don't know if they have their faces copyrighted or trademarked. But even if they there's there's nothing to stop someone selling plates with like Charles. Like we've got a Charles and Diana mug in my in my parents' house, and there's no way that that didn't. That came from like the official Buckingham Palace merch store or whatever. It's, no, it's just like someone selling that mug. That's funny. They apparently my had a street had... party, which was I I was alive for, but I don't remember it. My grandma had a um, cardboard cutout, like a life size cardboard cutout of Princess Diana, and it was on the landing of her steps, like when you first come in the house. <laughs> and it was like wow. to give it context. This is like. My grandma had like this beautiful entryway with a chandelier and shit. And there's just this cardboard cutout of Princess Diana. And then also in her living room was a card, like next to a grand piano is a cardboard cutout of the Pope. So it's like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Is is the idea to like, if she has friends who are maybe, you know, losing their eyesight a bit, just to sort of trick them into thinking that they... (laughs) I guess so. Well, it's lucky you came around today because we have, we have some other guests. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Ridiculous. Truly, we are honored today. <laughs> Which Pope Man. was it? Uh, I think the the home dude that's there now. I don't. I don't know. They're all named pa- uh, Paul and John, right? I mean, I don't know who's who. Carl was Francis. I think is he is he is he the first Francis? Oh. oh, so then it must have been the last guy. I think it was is, Paul or a John. Is the last one still alive? The one that like quit? Yes. Yeah. Jo- it was John Paul died was it john paul yeah john paul benedict, died and then it was uh benedict who was like the really who was like the sort of emperor from star wars looking guy yeah yeah but then he quit he right? did yeah uh he's like i'm sick of poping so he's still yeah i think he's still knocking around i'm pretty i would have hurt they would have announced it if he died yeah you'd think that's a big thing maybe I don't know, or do they just launch their bodies into the atmosphere? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Everything around the Pope is so weird and spooky, and like, there's such strange rituals. I'm like, I yeah. Do they still? What's going on? Am I right in thinking that they there's a part of the you know there are all these rules and steps to becoming the Pope, but one part before the end is it's someone's job to basically look under his clothes and check that he has a penis. What? What? No. Excuse me. So that they don't accidentally have a lady pope. Oh my god! What's going on? Just, although it's also I... worth pointing out here that the 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 very regressive Catholic Church has not yet accepted no. that there are people with penises who don't identify sure. as male. So right, yeah. right, right, and but, vice versa. But, no, I mean we all. I think we all know know all of that. I, but I, where'd you hear this? What is this? What's happening? Um. There's you know, a penis during, during there's a, lockdown. There's a I, I didn't have any. Up. I didn't have any live gigs. Uh, my writing work had dried up, so I was just looking around on various job <laughs> sure. sites, and I was just trying to find. Yeah, the pa- the papal penis checker, the papal penal thought, proctor. Oh, I thought maybe Matt was more ambitious. I thought he was going for Pope. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, he couldn't do it. He looked down his pants. He goes, "Nah, that's never gonna pass." <laughs> yeah, I'm never gonna. Uh... <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm just getting it. Would terrify the checkers. It's just, yeah, no, it's absolutely too much. So it's hang much. on, wait a second. Um, so, so there was a, some kind of penis checking, but it might not have been to check for, uh, sex. Hang on a second. 
What are you Googling, by the way, to yeah. find this out? I'm, what? I'm looking on PopePenis.biz. <laughs> right. Okay, Urban Dictionary has Pope Penis Tester. I, uh, in, the, <laughs> in the olden days, a woman tried to sneak in as Pope. Therefore, for years, every time there was a new Pope, they had a Pope Penis Checker. Uh, but it says the job went out several centuries ago. But yeah, again, it looks like th- this is something that died out in the uh, 15th century. I, uh, I love that it was a thing at some point, though. Like, what What on earth? <laughs> but, uh, by the way, I think by, by saying the words Lady Pope, you've now copyrighted that movie title. All you got to do is just yeah. oh, absolutely. sketch out a treatment and straight to the top. Wow. So, the uh, but it's to, it's to prove they have testicles. And it's the Esther Correria chair is what it's called. What? Uh, the Esther Correria chair... Um, hold on a second here. Yeah, the Pope has to prove that. I don't know what's going on. What did you find? Uh, um. By the way, I, I, uh, I, I don't know whether we should be talking about this because we've got. I've, I've gone down a fairly dark rabbit hole now because I found this. Um. Yeah, I'm on some lists after these websites. This yeah, is no I've, good. I found this Washington Post story from two years ago. About the about Pope Francis announcing that he wants to implement psychological uh, testing before someone becomes a priest, psychological evaluation. Mm. Uh, not not the worst idea on its face. Not the worst okay. idea, Where but apparently probably flawed in the way they're going to do it. It's to determine whether a young man is cut out for a lifelong vow to abstain from sex or is likely to commit sexual crimes. Obviously, the Catholic Church has had some issues with this. Sure. As it stands, there is no single agreed-upon method for conducting these assessments of priests. There is also no reliable way of measuring the test's effectiveness at weeding out problem priests. Monsignor Stephen Rossetti says, Standard psychological testing is not very good at ferreting out sexual difficulties among the general population. There isn't much. I feel like... Wait, what did you? What was the term you said? Like problem priest? Yeah, uh, I think it was. Um, because yes, pro- like, problem priests was the exact like, phrase. I think that wouldn't problem priest be literally fucking anyone that wants to see and oversee a child sex, uh, whatever pyramid scheme? I don't know what you would call. I'm losing my words, but like. There, there's so many. Are you sort of arguing about any priest? Any priest is a problem priest. Just, just by yeah. virtue of wanting to be a priest. Like, if you want to be the manager of all those dudes, that's a problem. And they right? should, why can't they just get get rid of the celibacy thing? Because, like, I mean, it's not like it's. I don't think it's any matter of like uh, historical debate about the origins of that and how it doesn't date back that long. And it was, you know, this purely like a cash grab for the Vatican to, to avoid having offspring right to avoid the priests having offspring oh, and possibly having some claim yeah to keep money to in the some, church yeah so how about we just get rid of that and then we already don't have to like select for people who want to do this very unnatural thing of never supposedly never having sex the rest of wait their life. but andy is that then is that the genesis of all of sex shaming in the catholic church oh i'm sure or sex that- shaming has been around as long as religion or sex itself yeah. but i mean if yeah it was it was not like the entire history of the church was celibacy it was no well it used to be uh i mean come on they, we did we did an episode about that they had uh like the borgias and stuff they had like crazy orgies right and, right. There, and there was a lot of backlash um yeah i don't i'm down a major rabbit hole now i'm reading the comments <laughs> yeah, to the psychology so, so, yeah, so, article so if you yeah if you look at the article i posted i don't you can choose whether or not to read this, but um, <laughs> it's a. Uh, 
according to James Cantor, who is a Toronto researcher who is a leading expert in ped- on pedophilia, there does not exist a pen and pencil test to diagnose it. Just asking someone is not going to help. And apparently the only... This is how I ended up on this site from an the ex- search an before. An expert on pedophilia. <laughs> the only, the what a only, job. What a well, apparently the only reliable <laughs> test is a phallometric test, which I guess works for other uh, types of uh, s- uh, sexual uh, dysfunctions. And so- but it is, a, it is a test in which a subject's penis is measured while he sees or hears about a variety of sexual situations. That test, which Cantor called extremely effective, is seldom administered in any settings other than prisons where it's used to determine which sex offenders need treatment, such as psychological counselling and sex drive-reducing medication. So... Mm. Medication? Yeah. Like sort of chemical castration for, you know... Which, by the way, chemical castration was an expression that, for a long time after reading it, I did not know. I I didn't realise it's just just giving them meds to make them less... Like, to kill their sex drive. I thought it was like dipping their balls in acid fucking weird i know that i mean that's or something or so, something that like right and then their, their balls come back and fight batman <laughs> exactly. crazy super villain ah it's two balls yeah <laughs> there it is there it is hey do we have hey, any doesn't uh, that just mean he has a normal number of balls shut up shut up he's a villain <laughs> Two I mean, balls. he's he's committing a crime right now. We can clearly see, but <laughs> can you um, put those away, please? Hey, has anything happened for? Uh, well, first, I guess because we have to talk about science at some point. Lisa, you you just got back from Dubai. What's going on there? What's happening? <laughs> I I was doing science there. Yeah, you're doing science. Um, it was. Uh, I went there for stand up gigs. Yeah, uh, which even. Two weeks after coming back and saying that out loud, it doesn't make sense in my brain. I'm like, what? <laughs> I think that's. I, th- I mean, I think it's cool. That's, that's Thank awesome. you. It was a. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. It was like all the audiences were mostly Europeans and Brits. Mm-hmm. Um, which is funny because the booker kept telling me she's like, you have to speak really slowly. Like a lot of these people like don't really fully understand English. And so the first night my, I, my delivery was so slow. And then I talked to people afterwards, like just people that were in the crowd. They're all Australians and Brits. Yeah. Everyone spoke the most clear (laughs) English. And I was like, what is this fucking lady? What? How did this saying? How did this show come about? Um, I saw that a friend of mine in London, I don't know if you know Maria Shahada. I do. Yeah, yeah. Maria. She's been in the podcast. She used to live yeah. here. I saw that she was booked over there. So I just, I asked her for the booking. Maria moved to London? Oh, years ago. Yeah. Like I'm so ago. out of everything. I'm so out of it. Oh loop. yeah. She's fucking crushing it over there. That's I mean, awesome. she's great. She's doing really well. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she sent me the booking info and then I just reached out on a whim. I was like, there's no way I'm going to get this gig. And uh, oh, the woman booked me right away. She was like, how do you feel about August? I was like, yeah, I'll come out whenever. <laughs> Please. <laughs> there, there, is, there is a weird thing. Like, I don't know why it is, but the UK is the UK comedy circuit is like the hub for international gig bookings. For some reason, that's oh, yeah. like all of most of the gigs across like the Middle East, the Far East. They're like all like all across Asia. There's just. Those gigs, for some reason, are booked out of the UK, and I, I have no idea why that is. But that's well, they're filled with like, UK comics. Yeah, well, because all those audiences are English speaking, and I think that you know, there's just a much bigger scene in like you know London than there is yeah. in 
I mean, there's not, there's a little bit of a scene in Dubai, so it's, there's just oh, there stronger comics to pull but, from. Yeah, and also, I guess, like, London is easier to get to a lot of those places than the U.S. Yeah, but if you're like, in the U.S., you're already just touring the U.S. British expats are everywhere, though. Like, I, I noticed, like, um, like fleas. Yeah. Sort Ooh. of. I mean, it's like, anytime, uh, anytime there's, like, a disaster, it'll be, like, the most insane, you know, like, the, the news story is, like, you know, there was a giant. There was a giant mudslide in Zimbabwe, and it killed this many people and seventeen Brits. It's like they're just <laughs> everywhere, yeah. wandering around, right? Getting into trouble. Yeah, it's just so it's almost weird. like they had an empire. I know, no, exactly. At some exactly. point, exactly. <laughs> um, you know what else is everywhere and getting into trouble? What's, What's that, that, Matt? Space. Oh, it is. <laughs> wow. Space is everywhere. Hey, there it is. Yes, yeah, sp- space is everywhere and getting into trouble. This story sent in, I think this one was sent in by Hugh John. It was. The, a star, this is, astronomers may have seen a star gulp down a black hole and explode. What? Yeah. It's a pretty cool story. It's, I feel like it's a matter of time before Earth is just shattered by some other spaceship flying around. <laughs> did you, wait, did is you that say sciencey enough for you? Yeah. Did you I, say spaceship or space I, shit? You say space, space shit. shit. That's right. Yeah, that took me a second as well. But yeah, yeah. I like think, a comet or another planet or who fucking knows what. And and you know what? Make a note of what time this episode drops because you heard it here first. That is mm. that is Lisa Curry staking her claim <laughs> to that scientific <laughs> prediction. And it, if in years to come Earth is indeed swallowed by some kind of space shit, then. You should mm-hmm. get a Nobel Prize because you you correct you called <laughs> <Yes>. it. <laughs> yep, space shit. I don't know what I'm. I don't know what I'm. Uh, what I think is going to happen. Like I don't know. Every time there's like there's a comet passing close to Earth, I'm like, I mean, how long can we stay this lucky? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, my pretty thing long. Is, I think. Yeah, my thing is that like we're not. Like, I mean. I, okay, so like, haven't there been what six mass extinctions uh, mm-hmm. that we've counted? Six, we've had six. The last big one was the dinosaurs, but a mass extinction isn't that like ninety percent of the species die? Um, because you know, like ants were around during dinosaurs and are still around, or you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but we're in a mass extinction right now. But like, uh, like ninety percent is like there won't be polar bears in fifty years. Like we're just in the middle 50, of one. That's generous. That is generous, but they will. They'll 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 hold on to them. Zoos have got it. I I reckon well, zoos have got it down. Sure, but I'm. You know what I mean? Like we're we're just we're clearly in a mass extinction. But I think most people don't notice because it doesn't involve us. Really, well, I don't. I don't know if science agrees that it's on the level of of the big. Let's see. I'm looking it, at isn't it like the big five? But isn't it more of a? But this is more of a continuous thing because like new species are appearing and. I guess new species appear very slowly, but like... We- right. Oh, you know what, Jesse? You're right. I'm sorry. No, uh, there is consensus that we are in the Holocene extinction. Yeah. Ah. Sorry. So we're, sorry. we're in the middle of a mass extinction, but like humans will survive. So, so wait, for this extinction, does everybody's brain cells die first? Because it seems like <laughs> we're pretty far along. <laughs> yeah. I, but I mean, like we we'll, humans will be okay. And it. so most people don't give a shit. It's just weird. Like, I, do you think, like, when the dinosaurs went extinct, do you think, like, species of ants were just like, have you guys noticed there's less dinosaurs? Like, no, they didn't give it. Like, they didn't notice, really. <laughs> like, have you guys seen the lack of dinosaurs? It's weird, right? Whatever. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's- I hope the ants were having a little chat about it. 
It's just be twiddling their antennae around about it. Yeah. I don't know. It just blows my mind every day that we're in the middle of a mass extinction and nobody gives a fuck. People are just like getting some coffee. <laughs> well, I mean, I think people I mean, do in the sense that we could also be offing ourselves and people are worried about that. And by the transitive property of worrying about extinctions, you know, sort of yeah. caring about the other animals. Yeah. I feel like I'm more worried about the morons who are going to survive it. <laughs> <laughs> They'll somehow like, select I for the like dumbest. To, I would like for this extinction to be more selective. <laughs> Ouch! Wait, that sounds also problematic. Anyway. That's, um... Nope, that's that's ne- that's never this been is an issue. That view has never. <laughs> yep, she's into comedy and eugenics. Lisa Curry, folks. Lisa Curry. <laughs> yep. Have you guys rewatched Idiocracy recently? By the way. No, I, no, I haven't I seen not. it for years. I, can't. I haven't either. But I think I think uh, maybe some. I forgot if it was at the time or just in in revisiting it in in the media that people were sort of like, you know, this is a little problematic, even if it's accurate. Um, but yes, definitely. <laughs> is there a word for that? This is problematic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Wait, what, what's problematic about it? I've I missed this. I mean, I guess just in the in in the sort of vague uh, eugenics might not be the right word, but like um, it's sort of it's sort of like it's kissing cousins with with uh, you know people's theories about like who's reproducing fastest now, maybe, and and why you might not like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that could I don't be know. Kinda... I mean. Oh, you know what? Actually, I saw some people this week saying that, oh, when that when it came out that that I, I'm not going to pronounce it correctly, so I'm not going to try. But whatever that thing is that Joe Rogan took after he got COVID. <laughs> Ivermectin. There you go. Ivermectin. When there was that article floating around on Twitter that was like, uh, this makes men sterile. I was like, OK, <laughs> good. <laughs> and I saw all these people tweeting like, that's problematic to say it's good. I'm like, there are seven billion people on Earth. We need to get rid of like four billion right now. That, that one frustrating yeah. me also turned out frustratingly. I don't, I'm showing my hand there, but is the, pot- is potentially bullshit. The um. I saw it oh, got yeah. it got widely reported the but it was like one study that doesn't seem to have been replicated anywhere the right uh, but also yeah that was pointed out to me even if that, but I'm like or, if they're doing it to themselves who gives a shit I mean I don't know maybe that's callous but <laughs> well there's also the thing about overpopulation we talked about this I don't know when months ago um the surprising thing might be that uh a solution that involves just suddenly having a lot less um, reproduction happening now would create a, a sort of hell. Like it doesn't so, uh, population overpopulation doesn't get solved by a generation having way fewer kids. That just creates a bunch of awful downstream effects for the entirety of society. If you have like an upside down aging populace, as you know, we might see what the effects of that are in China with the in the wake of the one child policy. Like it, it's not all these things that seem like here's the problem. Therefore, the solution must be. The inverse of that is like, no, that's going to cause a different hell. And then we're also in this, I mean, mass extinction. We haven't spent a ton of time talking about the, um, maybe we did at some point, but, you know, phthalates, phthalates, however you pronounce that, P-H-T-H-A-L-A-T-E-S. Basically, the things that are in everything we touch in plastics have greatly reduced fertility. Like, so basically, every every man alive has about 50% of the sperm count that their grandfather did. Oh, damn. And that's going to be, yeah, the downstream I mean, effects of that could also be species ending. Yeah. Well, when me and my grandpa would compare jizz, I remember we would always, <laughs> we would get together every Christmas and it was like. Wait, wait. I, oh, sorry. No. Is the loads? It's <laughs> <laughs> a fair the question. Load the same oh. and there's just fewer sperm in it? I think well, it's, no, yeah. we would is do it both. Is it less yeah. liquid? I don't well, think first the of all, related. 
no guys <laughs> no real real talk since since my since i got all the radiation therapy and stuff the loads are garbage it's just garbage <laughs> now i have just garbage it's horrible Sorry, you know no no it's no it is it's funny because like i didn't know it was like a source of pride or like i didn't i mean it wasn't but i didn't know that I was just like, oh, that sucks. Like, you know? Wait, and I so don't this know means why. my grandma was like having, like swallowing way more cum. Oh my God. Uh, I, no, again, <laughs> your grandma? You're confusing the uh, the fluid with the, okay, anyway. I, I, I... No, but I mean, uh, first of all, Lisa can confirm. Yes, um, can confirm. Uh, talk about a hoarder. You know what I mean? Uh, there it is. Uh, guys, guys, speaking of swallowing, um, a yeah. star has been seen. For the first uh, time, astronomers, according to this sciencenews.org article, have captured solid evidence, that's solid evidence, not liquid evidence, yeah. of yes. a rare double cosmic cannibalism, a star swallowing a compact object such as a black hole or a neutron star. In turn... That object, I wish they didn't use the word gobbled right there. Yeah. <laughs> After the conversation we just had. <laughs> yeah, that object greedily and poorly gobbled. <laughs> I mean, you guys, you guys haven't even gotten to the name of the Caltech astronomer in this article. So. This was pointed out by, <laughs> by, by our listener who emailed it in. The Caltech astronomer is named Dylan Dong, and let's not, let's just accept that that is a perfectly sure. fine name and yeah. let's move on. It's a fine name. In turn, that object gobbled the star's <laughs> core. So this is like a double swallowing. The, the, okay. star, <laughs> the star swallowed the black hole and then the black hole, in turn, having been swallowed, swallowed the star's core, causing it to explode and leave behind only a black hole. Hmm. Hold on. Let's break this down again because it sounded too horny and weird. <laughs> what? Okay, a star... A star swallowed a black hole. Yeah, how, how yeah, is not I don't, to say I, how is okay? Because the because I I think we'll get into it in the article, but for, okay, I think basically the the deal is black holes have huge gravitational pull, but they're quite right. They're s- small, you know. They're, they're I mean, small. They're, like, yeah. they're a single like point. Of, um, so the black hole basically gets absorbed by the star, and then the gravity of the black hole sucks the star in, and then. And wow. then it explodes. Wow. I am so confused. <laughs> so this this so you, info, this came you know, from the... You know Jonah and the whale, or, or Pinocchio and the whale, if you prefer. Uh-huh. Sure. Like, imagine after being swallowed, it turns out, like, Pinocchio explodes. Or, or even, like, first, like, once inside the whale, then, like... No, he eats su- the whale. Like, eats the whale, he, like, from the inside. Right. Like, sucks it all into his stomach. And then realizes, like, oh, I've done a bad thing. That was too much whale for me. And his stomach explodes. That's mm-hmm. what's going on. Now, this was first discovered. Um, this came from the Very Large Array. That's the VLA. That's a radio telescope consisting of 27 enormous dishes in the New Mexican desert near Socorro. Uh, during their scans of the night sky in 2017, a burst of radio energy as bright as the brightest exploding star or a supernova as seen from Earth uh, appeared in a dwarf star forming galaxy approximately 500 million light years away. And Dylan Dong, he's an astronomer at Caltech. He th- Sorry. <laughs> he, no, no. Is the name Dylan funny to you, Lisa? Yeah, okay, wow. Yes. Um, so she thinks Dylan is funny. Um, so uh, he, we thought, wow, this is interesting, says Dylan Dong, an astronomer at Caltech. 
um, <laughs> along with his um, associate Steve Gobblecock. He and, his, um, he and his colleagues made several follow-up observations of the galaxy using the VLA. That's the very large array. Guys, how many dishes is that? Do we all remember? 27 enormous dishes. 20, 27 enormous dishes. Um, Big old dishes. If, if anyone ever asks you how many dishes are in the VLA, you're going to know. Uh, 27 enormous dishes. Um, so he and his colleagues made follow-up observations of the galaxy using the VLA in one of the telescopes at the W.M. Keck Observatory in Hawaii. Um, now that sees in the same optical light as our eyes. So that's an optical telescope versus the VLA, which is a radio telescope. Um, they caught a luminous outflow of material spewing in all directions at 3.2 million kilometers per hour. Pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, from a cent- that's speedy. From a central location, and that's suggesting that an energetic explosion had occurred there in the past. Um, and then they're like, okay, what's going on here? You know? So they found an extremely bright X-ray source in archival data from the Monitor of All Sky X-ray Images. That's the Maxi Telescope. Mm-hmm. Monitor of All Sky does sound kind of, That's a very grand name. Wow! Yeah, that's a Japanese that, telescope that sits on the outside of sits on the International Space Station, monitoring yes. all like sky. That's a little bit higher than Pope, even. Yeah, mm-hmm. monitoring <laughs> yeah. all sky from above. Yeah, when they pick a new Japanese telescope, um, there's a burst of smoke. It's very, it's very. <laughs> I remember the last time they switched out the telescope. Um, so the the X-ray burst. They looked at all this archival data and they saw that the X-ray burst was in the same place as the radio one but had been mm-hmm. observed in 2014. So Dong and his colleagues had to piece all this together. That's what I call my junk. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. So, so you know, they had to figure out what happened with this Dong explosion. It's a very common right? name in, in the yeah. most populous country in the world, people. Sorry, okay. No, but obviously, like, there, there was a... You know, there was some swallowing of the dong explosion. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> right? So and- so this is what they think happened. Long ago, long, long ago, a binary pair of stars were orbiting each other. They were born orbiting each other. Then, mm-hmm. then one of them, one of them died in a spectacular supernova and became either a neutron star or a black hole. They don't know from the data. But either way, very, very dense thing, huge amount of gravity... And right. in a tiny, tiny point. Or, uh, in fact, am I really thinking like a black hole is essentially does a black hole essentially doesn't have any? I don't think it has volume. any like it any volume have, technically. Yeah, it but technically it's like, has like a diameter of zero. So yeah, I think, but right. for all intents and purposes, that's what you consider right. a point. Uh, we could call infinite, it that point, not infinite yeah. mass, but tons of mass. Yeah. But uh, and a neutron star also is was it, there's some like stat a, a, of like a pebble on a, on a neutron star weighs like. Yeah, the Empire State Building or something. Anyway, and uh, so, or like a spoonful of neutron star material is have a, is has the mass of I can't remember how many suns, but um, as that. gravity brought these two objects closer together, the dead star actually entered the outer layers of its larger stellar sibling. The compact object spiraled inside the still living star for hundreds of years, eventually making its way down to and then eating its partner's core. During this time, the larger stars shed huge amounts of gas and dust, forming a shell of material around the duo. In the living star's center, gravitational forces and complex magnetic interactions from the dead star's munching... Oh, God. 
launched enormous, <laughs> enormous jets of energy picked up as a, an X-ray flash, flash, God damn it! in 2014, as well as causing the largest star to explode. Debris right. from the, or debris if you're American, from the detonation smashed with colossal speed into the surrounding shell of material, generating the optical and radio light. While theorists have previously envisaged, envisaged such a scenario, dubbed a merger-triggered core collapse supernova, this appears to represent the first direct observation of this phenomenon. They've done a, some pretty good detective work using the observations, says Adam Burroughs, who's an astrophysicist at Princeton, not involved in the study. Well, yeah, I mean, they can only really see things outside of that point of almost infinite gravity. I mean, you could call it, it's just a classic, the detective work's just a classic rim job. Um, <laughs> I would say, because the, when the dong explosion is swallowed, then you have to, if there's a, if they're like, you have to check the hole for the. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 That, that's pretty much, that's, I mean, you're paraphrasing what Adam Burroughs at Astrophysicist at Princess said, but it's pretty much there. Yeah, 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 but we get it. Another I mean, way of putting it would be to say that this helped constrain the timing of a process called common envelope evolution, in which one star becomes immersed inside another. Such stages in stars' lives are relatively short-lived in cosmic time and difficult to both observe and simulate. Most of the time, the engulfing partner dies before its core is consumed, leading to two compact objects like white dwarfs, neutron stars, or black holes orbiting one another. And then our buddies... Uh, at LIGO. LIGO! Uh, yeah. That's have that's exactly what they detect. Yeah. Now, these final stages of these systems. That's what, yeah, if you look back in the archives, you'll see a couple of conversations with LIGO scientists. That's the, the experiment that first detected gra gravity waves and also conversations with Professor Jan Levin talking about what mm -hmm. happens, the ripples of gravitational waves that happen when two stars or two huge objects, like two black holes, orbit each other and then basically collapse into each other. Like, it's a bit like... It, sure. Yeah, she, she showed us the simulation. It, it looks a bit like the way it kind of speeds up. It's a bit like, you know, those little charity um, uh, donation boxes that have, like, the kind of spiral thing where it goes around the circle and then spins into the middle? Yeah. It's a bit like that. Oh, but yeah. but that if you put two coins in there at the same time and they kind of, like, spin around each other and then kind of come into the middle, that's what it kind of looks like. And that's now detected by LIGO, and that's the kind of thing they detect. And now but I'm surprised that this this thing wasn't detected by LIGO. Maybe this didn't have the same sort of like yeah, frequency but thing now, as there. But now, now that it says in this article, now that astronomers know to look for these multiple lines of evidence, Dong expects them to find more examples of this strange phenomenon. Man. It's, I wonder what it looks like because so if you saw if a black hole were in front of some other object to a telescope, it would obviously you wouldn't be able to see the thing behind it. Like there's like it bends right. light. The light, yeah, the light all goes in. Or yeah. maybe it, maybe the light, maybe some of the light goes around it. I forgot how that works, like gravitational lensing or something. Yeah, but like, like, like that's. I think that's that's exactly what happens. That's how they they can detect some of this stuff. Where uh, as a as a star is or as as an object is going behind it, you can see you can kind of see it when it should be geometrically behind it because the light from it is curving around. Right, it should be obscured, but it can't be. But if you have a small enough black hole that it's not an instantaneous like absorption, now that these are both black holes, like what I can't even fathom what that would look like if you could somehow be an observer to that, like just part as it's burrowing its way into the core of the other star, like what's the actual impact of what of of light of what the thing looks like as it's being eaten? Would you see like if you were facing down the angle where it's going into it, would there just be like a would it look like a donut the star for a little bit? 
I yeah. have, I have no idea. I'm so confused. I, I mean, none of this stuff makes intuitive sense. Yeah, it's bonkers. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. Well, I think also I don't really understand what a black hole is. And it's not it's not that I'm incapable of understanding. I don't I just hear I've only heard of it in like conversations and not I haven't like <laughs> looked it up. It's not actually that complicated. <laughs> not like I need to look a... it up to confirm well, so it's the, a real thing. Yeah, there are photos of black holes. I'm just I just looked this up. There are photos of a black hole passing in front of a star. Um and yeah, light does lens around it. Hmm. Sure. But Lisa, to make it simple, if you had a massive star, all that same mass is still there, but eventually it its gravity is such that it collapses down and all that mass is just in one tiny point. And that gravity is so strong that not only does it suck objects into it, but like it sucks light into it. So light coming from like oh, if it's if it's between you and, and something else that's letting off light that light will never reach you because it will get sucked in and never leave because it's just this huge, huge, unfathomable here's mass a, in an infinitely small point. Well, here's what I'm confused about with the light. I mean, that makes sense. I've never heard it explained like that. But with the sucking the light in, isn't there, wouldn't there be like a tail on the light? Like, because light, light doesn't just, if there's light coming from somewhere, it's obviously doesn't just exist at the end point. Well, it's, no, light isn't like a constant line. Light is light does move through space faster than anything else can. So, and it's sort of you know wave slash particle, but that thing just terminates when it gets right, when it gets within the event horizon see of the, the tail of it. Like you would see what does like what does tail mean? Coming though? out of a flashlight. Well, that's not I, a tail. You're just seeing a bunch of those photons moving. That's not like a constant. I see. Uh, yeah, you okay. would, you wouldn't be if you were in the way, then you would you would be able to see that, but you. You can only like, like you can only see uh, light if it's like that if it's scattering off something, like I mean, just if you think about. Oh right, like, I guess space, the, yeah. the easiest way to think about it, I think, is um, like at at a rock concert, they would they they have the smoke machine go first, and then they run the lasers, and that's why you can see the laser lines because it's bouncing off the smoke. But each of those little particles of light that's bouncing off the smoke and going into your eyes, that's not reaching its destination. Like, most of it is, but the bits that you can see are bits of light right. that never actually get to their destination because they bounced off the smoke and hit and being redirected towards you. Yeah, anytime you see a beam of light, it's just because there are particles in the air it's hitting. If there were no particles, you wouldn't see any beam. It would just reach its source it. and you would see well, it reflected off of... Not reach the source, reach, reach whatever it's going to reach, and then you'd see it reflected off of that. Should, should we do a story that is a little bit more down to earth? And I, I'm very suspicious of this. Was sent in by a couple of listeners, both through email and through Twitter. It was it was tweeted at us by uh, alien at alien DNA, who's tweeted a couple of stories at us, and also emailed to us by. I will find who that is in a second. I've just lost the email. But um, I I don't know I, I I'm super suspicious of this one. It's it's about mm. hot dogs taking time off of your life. Oh yeah, this was making the rounds. Oh, I've seen that make the rounds. Yeah, yeah. Sean Robertson sent this extent, in, and I think someone else did you as could well. Argue that of all food because we're actively dying. I mean, right? <laughs> oh, I'm assuming it's meaning in comparison to other sources of of, of nutrition. Yeah, I <laughs> I I don't know. I'm very suspicious. This is University of Michigan, Andy, your hometown. Yep. Uh, hmm. or your, your home state, but also U University of Michigan was yeah, right that's by in my home. Yeah, that's Ann Arbor. Yeah. So they found that eating a single hot dog could take thirty six minutes off your life. I just like that whole. 
that whole calculation, that whole way of that. thinking about lifespan, also I just find sort of bullshit. Yeah. But yeah, in this the their study published this month in the journal Nature Food. Let's see if this article can bring me around. They they looked at five thousand eight hundred fifty three foods in the U.S. diet and measured their effects in minutes of healthy life gained or lost. We wanted to make a health-based evaluation of the beneficial and detrimental impacts of the food in their entire diet, says Oliver Joliet, professor of environmental health sciences at the university and senior author. The team came up with an index that calculates the net beneficial or detrimental health burden in minutes of life associated with a serving of food. It's based on a study called the Global Burden of Disease, which measures morbidity associated with a person's food choices. For example, in 0.4 not 0.45 minutes are lost per gram of processed meat, or 0.1 minutes are gained per gram of fruit. We then see. I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'm already calling bullshit. Yeah. Compared. Compared to what? Like, how do you know it's gained or lost versus you? You don't have your a control. You, you don't have think? a control. I mean, because it's a per person. I mean, I think that's what they're thinking in the aggregate. They can compare the longevity of. Well, let's see what the rest of the article says for the process. Mm. So, one of the researchers, one of the foods researchers measured was a standard beef hot dog in a bun. Its 61 grams of processed meat resulted in the loss of 27 minutes of healthy life. But when ingredients like sodium and trans fatty acids were factored in, the final value was 36 minutes lost. Consumption of foods such as nuts, legumes, seafood, fruits, and non-starchy vegetables, on the other hand, have positive effects on health. The index looks at food that increase or decrease life expectancy, but it's not as easy as trying to cancel out detrimental food choices with more beneficial ones. The index is primarily there to help aid in selecting and using calories consumed on a daily basis to tweak a minimum of habits and make the minimum of change to obtain a maximum benefit for health and the environment for our, our food experience. I d the point is to choose better food, not spend time doing the math, he says. Is, is the ultimate metric... Is it the ultimate metric that will tell you exactly what to eat tomorrow and exact, entirely determine your life expectancy? No. It's a useful metric that can help you make more informed choices and make it simpler to identify and make adequate small changes in our diet. It's not as easy as calculating what food to eat in order to live to be 100, says Marion Nestle. Marion Nestle? Like, <laughs> is she part of the... How the, many Nestles can there be? The yeah. Nestle family? A professor of nutrition and public health at New York University. She told they, got, they got someone on the inside. Yeah, She's, she told... <laughs> she... <laughs> yeah. It didn't even change the name. Like, no. I know, I know. Not, e not even not even subtle about it. She told the she told CNN the numbers may not be entirely reliable. No shit. Uh, changing a diet to include or exclude any one food is unlikely to make much difference. She said it's dietary and lifestyle patterns that count. I suppose you could argue that the minutes add up, but that gets into further untested and untestable assumptions. Yeah, I just I just uh, so like, it's an article about nothing. Like That's it's what, an article, like, and then at the end, it it's just like, feels it, like scientific clickbait. And I, like I, I, yeah, I, I mean, like she, Marion, Marion is not involved, but then, but then again, maybe she would say that. What with her family definitely having hot dog products amongst <laughs> their, especially with the strike happening, yeah. But I, I just feel like it, it's like an article, and then at the end, they're like, "This article you just read is bullshit." <laughs> <laughs> That's but really we did funny. need to provide the content. But we well, I, I chose the CNN story. The, uh, the other listener sent in, in the, the Telegraph, Daily Telegraph story. I mean, it's just, I think this one did the rounds. Yeah, it definitely was amazing. I saw it, I saw it doing the rounds, but yeah. So if you're on your deathbed and you gobble like a dozen hot dogs, do you go back in time? Am I understanding this correctly? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, wait, wasn't it fruit? 
Oh wait. Well, no. If you if you keep eating fruit, you can you can outrun it. You know, like um, you, you know, like when they're sort of like when they got the runaway train and they're building the track in front of it. <laughs> in cartoons, yeah. like it's like that. No, there the are multiple ways. Multiple ways to cheat death. You can get really good at chess. Um, yep. You can eat tons of fruit. You can uh, best the devil in, be a viol- shit, in a fiddle competition. Apparently. I think. Uh, you, 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 yes, you can, you can be, be extremely evil. Although, yeah, that's. I mean, that's what I'm going to start doing. Good for you. Eat hot dogs. I was thinking of starting a war in Iraq. Another one, <laughs> <laughs> so I can live to 150. Now I'm trying to remember why it was. And by the way, I am not vouching for what I'm about to say at all. But uh, th- for some reason, <laughs> the CrossFit community, those paragons of science and empiricism, yes, uh, people in that world. I've heard multiple ones say that a hot dog is the most perfect food. <laughs> no, Andy, what? I've heard people say that, and I, I don't know what the logic... Maybe they're just trying to say, like, if you need a ton of protein and calories quickly and not... I, I, I don't think any of them would be... Well, I don't know. I, I just remember people saying, like, it's got everything you need. I mean, wouldn't I, it be easier to just have a fucking quest bar? Yeah, you'd think, but... Um, but I is, it, is it the protein and, and also, I guess the it's... The really high salt content might be good if you've been doing really heavy exercise and you've just lost a lot of salt. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, I'm in no I way guess. recommending a purely hot dog based diet. I mean, it's Frank's, an isotonic Frank, meat delivery system. Maybe the preservatives uh, keep you suspended in time. No. Because I, you're essentially being preserved by extension. I don't think so. I think this is only an <laughs> anecdote, but I believe Frank Zappa was right. famous for only putting hot dogs, coffee, and cigarettes in his body, and he made it to about 53, I think. <laughs> Oh my god. I mean, I guess I can see how like foods that could for a for a normal person be considered very bad for you could help with like lactic acid recovery and stuff if you're a hardcore athlete. You know, yeah, but not like, like a, not like a staple of your diet but like you as a suppl- as a thing in the short run that you need. No, totally. Like if you're if you just run a marathon, like down a candy bar at the end, whatever, you know, there's stuff mm-hmm. like that you're supposed to do. But like you can't just everyone else can't live like that. I remember um, Andy and I used to have a roommate. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> uh, when we lived together, we had uh, we had roommates in their 60s. We'd lived with these two guys. And uh, wait, this, they were in their 60s. Yes. You came out to that house, right? We lived in that big house. And uh, yeah, wait. I never saw them at a pool party. You didn't? They, they were always lurking. They saw they you. They were around. They saw you. <laughs> they saw you. Oh, they saw you, Lisa. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when so when we lived there, we lived with these two guys. And I remember um, uh, Stu, he could never understand why he wasn't losing weight. <laughs> you know, he was just gaining weight. And I, and I just brought up one time, I was like, well, Stu, so... You know, it's mainly diet is the main thing. Like, I know you take a walk every day. That's great. It's mainly diet for, like, weight loss stuff. And I was like, you know, you you drink, uh, like, 10 Gatorades a day. <laughs> so that's probably oh, a lot of it, you know, because that's probably, like, 3,000 calories. Something. And he just goes, it's a sports drink. It's got electrolytes. <laughs> Dude, I had years ago it's my sister-in-law um, – who this will not surprise you she hasn't gotten the vaccine uh she she was like i just can't lose weight i don't know i I work out every day like i go to the gym and i don't know what it is and i was like well walk me through your day nikki i go what do you i shouldn't have said her name i i go what do you 
normally eat? And she's like, well, every morning I have a Pepsi and a donut. Oh, and I was like, excuse me? <laughs> right, I'm like, right. you're saying this like with no irony? You're just telling me you have a fucking Pepsi and a donut for breakfast and like you're surprised you're not losing weight? Just what does that feel like to start your day like every – oh, man. Just, I bet it I feels like great. Have a Coke and a donut. I bet it feels great. <laughs> like, I, I bet it feels great too. <laughs> I bet she starts every day like, fuck yeah. Like yeah. But I mean, things like Gatorade are are very very good for recovery and you know stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. If you if you are in the middle of, if you're on the fourth set of a five set tennis match, then Gatorade yep. is yeah. perfect for you. If you're a, uh, if you're going for a two block stroll through Valley Village, then yep. maybe horrible. Yeah, maybe horrible. your seventh Gatorade of the day is not the right choice. We're also lead, we're kind of burying the lead by not retelling the story of him sleep sleep eating when his dentures are out by by pouring what? by pouring shredded cheese into a bowl, microwaving it and eating it with a spoon, then, then throwing th- the bowl and what? spoon in the trash, then throwing what? the bowl. Into- so, all right, here's the deal, Lisa. Uh, so you know we lived we lived with this guy, and everyone sort of had their own wing of the house. Right. Wait, and- how did this how did this come to be? Were they like we're looking for roommates and you no. guys were like solid? No. Well no, Andy Andy and I aren't Andy and I aren't like a young couple that bought a startup home. Like we <laughs> they they were already there. Uh, I I moved to LA. I think I discussed this on the ep last week. I, th- I, I think I, actually these two episodes are gonna go out the other way around, so there's gonna be a okay, weird type. There's gonna it'll be, weird be weird. Future tense we're going back again. in town. Okay, so I moved to LA and stayed in like while I was looking for an apartment on Craigslist or whatever, I stayed in like a travel lodge in Hollywood and it was horrible. And I had a For how long? I booked it for like a week. And then that's, yeah, that's too long for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I um I booked it for a week and was looking for a place. I was like, I'll just find some crappy apartment really quick. And I had a mutual, like one of my dad's friends from Nashville was like, I own a house in Valley Village. You can stay there for a week. And I was like, okay, fine. You know, I'll get, that's great. I'll go, I'll stay in this room while I find a place. And then I went and it was like amazing. It was run down, but I mean, you've been there. It was like this beautiful, awesome villa. Um, the, and then I was like, can I live here? And I could. Uh, Andy moved down a year later. The deal is, though, when I moved in, I had to I had to also move in with these two guys <laughs> that were like in their 60s, one of which would every night he would smoke a little pot and watch the Lakers every night. And then he would sleep eat naked. He would he would walk into the kitchen yeah. naked. <laughs> Biggest like biggest penis I've ever seen. Like it was, it was like, ins- it was horrible. You know what I mean? So you're like, you understand. Was it like the thing from Tremors? <laughs> the penis comes first. Yeah. Yeah. It, exactly. It was like a. Detects movement, detects seismic activity. No, it was heralding his arrival. Um, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> no, I mean, Did it, it just... ever suck a car under the sand? <laughs> no, it just it just made me feel weird and insecure and like he's not use he's not using it. It made me upset. I was just upset about the whole situation. Sure, yeah. Um so he's standing around <laughs> naked with his huge weird penis and he would uh he he would sleep eat. We would see him sleep eat. He'd have no memory of this. And one time, yeah, he he put a bunch of shredded cheese, just shredded cheese with his fist, put a bunch of shredded cheese in a bowl, microwaved it just ate the shredded cheese, threw it all away, 
the bowl, perfectly good bowl. I think I bought it. What? Um, threw it on the trash, went back to bed with his giant dick. And, uh, you know, it's what we lived with. We also lived with the, the actor who had, like, guest star one-offs in such iconic shows as Hawaii Five-0, Barnaby Jones, um, <laughs> Chips. Let's see. The Waltons, Kojak. He oh, was yeah. in Blown Away, the Tommy Lee Jones, Jeff Bridges movie. Well, now you're giving all the information. I mean, we don't live with them anymore. I think we can name them. Now. I don't think there's ever going to be any consequence if our blog... Ha- also, he would always walk by and say, have a good blog when we're recording our podcast. When we're recording a podcast. How's, how's your That's blog amazing. going? Yeah. Um, he still drunk texts me sometimes. Oh, inter- I didn't know that. Tell Ooh, me, what's, yeah. what's new with okay. Brendan? He still calls... Yeah, he still calls me Young Jesse. He, goes, uh, he goes, I miss you, Young Jesse. And it's always like... 5 a.m. my time, so like 3 a.m. L.A. time. I can tell he's just blacked out, drunken, like, you know, just texting me. It's great. He would also have great visitors come by. Like, there'd be some other old dude hanging out by the pool, and I'd find out afterwards, oh, that was the sheriff from Halloween. He's in, like, every Carpenter <laughs> movie. Yeah. I yeah. Got, wait, did they own the house then? No, no. They were, they were um, freeloading friends of the, <laughs> of the, uh, the owner lived in Nashville. And but grew up there. Okay, the owner and his sister. It was it was owned by a brother and sister. The house was left to them when their parents died, and uh-huh. and instead of fixing it up, instead of doing anything, they uh, they rented it out. You know, and uh, one of the guys lived there for free. Like, there's no way Brendan paid. No rent. way. Yeah. Um, he was he was always uh, he's the epitome of the like Hollywood producer liar. Like he just says he's a producer and he's always oh, yeah. he's always got something in the works. But I'm like, there's no way you've gotten a paycheck in years. Did I tell you about how I caught him one time? I mean, I don't say caught. Walked in on him one time it, at Tony's. Um, there's so that place on the corner, Tony's, which was like my favorite Mexican restaurant oh, ever. Yeah. Um, Magnolia and Coldwater, everyone in L.A. Uh, get out there. Best breakfast burrito you've ever had. So I would go in there and he was trading... Uh, trading oranges. He would pick oranges from our orange tree, trading oranges for food. Oh, God, Brent. <laughs> he was trading them oranges. And he was like, ah, oh. young Jesse, hello. Oh, my God. <laughs> did you ever read his, oh did you Wait, read his screenplay? Wait, so that's an option? Yeah. Can you go into that restaurant now and trade oranges for food? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I like some restaurants backyard. take Bitcoin nice. now. This is, that's that. That's, <laughs> yeah. These guys are like citrus. That's their main thing. Jesse, did you read his screenplay or not? I know we shouldn't spend too much time on this, but I know I we, we, we're screenplay. almost out of time for the episode. Okay, yeah, <laughs> of course, of course, I read his screenplay. So great, um, like a poor man's basic instinct. It was obviously written 30 years ago. So all the technology is of that era. Like there's a CD that plays an important role in the movie. <laughs> oh my god, that's incredible! Now, one thing that he would do a lot is he would get drunk in the middle of the night and he would um, pee out of his door he lived in like a guest house by the pool so he wouldn't go outside to pee he wouldn't pee in his toilet he would open the door and pee what um yeah i would see it all the time because i'd be out there like is this to keep coyotes away or i don't know what's going on uh yeah but then the next day it would combine sunlight and wastewater nitrate uh you guys (laughs) and um it's interesting because did you know that combining sunlight and wastewater nitrate uh, can make the world's number two chemical? Um, I was actually I I'm not even kidding. Like when you started saying that, I was like, oh, I can segue to this story that I've got queued up from what Jesse's saying right now. Uh, 
Um, well, guys, engineers at the University of Illinois Chicago have created a solar-powered electrochemical reaction that not only uses wastewater to make ammonia, that's the second most produced chemical in the world, but also achieves a solar-to-fuel efficiency that's 10 times better than any other comparable technology. Yeah, what? thank you, uh, Christopher Cooper, for sending in this fizz.org article. Yeah. I, I, I want to know what the most produced chemical in the world is. Love. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. Um, yeah, What? I wonder what that is. And we got to check that out. Somebody check that out. While I'll I, check that out um, while you carry on reading the story. Yeah, so uh, their findings, the findings were published in Energy and Environmental Science. It's a top journal for research at the intersection of energy delivery and environmental protection. So uh, uh, the lead researcher, this is uh, Minesh Singh, assistant professor of chemical engineering at uh, UIC College of Engineering, says this technology and our method have great potential for allowing on-demand synthesis of fertilizers and could have an immense impact on the agricultural and energy sectors uh, in developed and developing countries and on efforts to reduce greenhouse, gas greenhouse gases from fossil fuels. Ammonia, uh, that's a combination of one nitrogen atom and three hydrogen atoms. It's a key compound of fertilizers and many manufactured products like plastics and pharmaceuticals. And uh, cat piss, I can tell you, uh, just from living with my cat. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say with, from living with those guys. No. Well, yeah, he had a cat, too, that peed. It's a long story. It was a shit show. It was... um. It's the most bipolar pros and cons I've ever lived with. You know what I mean? Like in a living situation. Oh, yeah. Because uh, it, it, was, it was, I mean, like, it was an awesome situation. It was a great situation for someone visiting. As someone who was yeah. there a lot, it, it was very handy to have. Yeah. Have yeah. Good friends yeah. with a massive pool and a beautiful big garden. And then just go yeah, on to my house a... that doesn't have these two yeah, but it was a it was a shit show. So uh, by the um, way, no, it, there there is there seems to be dissent on the internet as to what the most produced chemicals in the world are, but they seem to mostly land on number one being sulfuric acid. What? Okay. I never would have guessed that. Yeah, that's weird. Huh. It's it's it used uh, both um, in various cleaners, like drain cleaners, but it's also used in producing fertilizer, as is ammonia. Uh. It's, it mm. converts insoluble phosphate ore into superphosphate, a valuable fertilizer. I thought that the whole thing that with drain cleaners was their extreme alkalinity, not acidity. I think you can have either, but oh. yeah. Hmm. Um, it's weird that uh, ammonia is the world's number two chemical, but it smells like number one. <laughs> hey, there you go. Yeah, it, okay. It's also... Um, uh, oh, no, hang on. Um, well, the current methods to make it... The Haber-Bosch um, process? Uh, yeah, ab absolutely, Andy. Fucking <laughs> nailed that. I don't know. Oh, here we uh, go. The By the way, also, sorry to interrupt, but like detergents, dyes, medications, explosives, paints, metals, and car batteries all require sulfuric acid for production. So it's huh. basically the go-to chemical yeah. in the vast majority of industrial processes. Mm. Um, current methods to make uh, ammonia... Um, from nitrogen require enormous amounts of heat generated by burning fossil fuels to break the strong bonds between nitrogen atoms so they can bind to hydrogen. It's a century-old process. It produces a substantial fraction of global greenhouse gas emissions, uh, which in turn um, accelerates climate change. So previously, uh, Singh, this is Minesh Singh and his colleagues, developed an environmentally friendly method to make ammonia by filtering pure 
nitrogen gas, through an electrically uh, charged catalyst-covered mesh screen in a water-based solution, as one does. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fucking stupid. If you ask me, I'd say filter it through an electrically charged catalyst-covered mesh in a water-based solution. Yeah, you're Obviously, always doing you that. Wanna, yeah, it's how, you, it's how you make ammonia, you fucking morons. Um, I mean, that solution uses only a tiny amount of fossil fuel energy to electrify the screen, breaks apart the atoms, but it produced more hydrogen gas than ammonia. That's an 80% to 20% ratio okay um which is not great so the researchers have improved this concept and they've developed a new method that uses nitrate one of the most common groundwater contaminants to supply nitrogen and sunlight to electrify the reaction that produces nearly a hundred percent ammonia with nearly zero hydrogen gas side reactions um and and so that has what's called the stf that's the solar to fuel efficiency um, cause it produces no carbon dioxide or other greenhouse gases. And, uh, that, so it has an STF of 11%, which is 10 times better than any other state of the art system used to produce ammonia. Nice. Cool. We so that's, uh, sure. yeah, I definitely understand all of that. Well, there we go. Well then that, that's a perfect time, perfect time to wrap up the main episode. We're going to do one extra little story for our, our Patreon patrons, but Lisa, where yes. can our listeners find you when you're not going to be catalyzing ammonia <laughs> using sunlight? Now you know this information. Like obviously, most of the time, most of your next few minutes are going to be spent. Most of your next few months will be spent doing this. You know, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm going to be working on that as soon as I get off the pod. Clearly. Um, but other than that, you can find me on Instagram at Olympian Lisa Curry. I'm told I need to get my numbers up so I can get an agent. Oh God. <laughs> Please, and if somebody could come to my house and fucking put me out of my misery, I would really appreciate it. <laughs> you can find us. ProbablyScience.com is the website. At ProbablyScience on Twitter. Individually, at Andy T. Wood, at Jesse Case, and at Matt Kirshen. ProbablyScience at gmail.com is the email address for any questions, comments, clarifications, and stories you would like us to cover. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having and me. And listeners, see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.